Welcome to Hiraith, the home of modern Welsh politics. Five years ago this week, Wales voted to leave the European Union. To reflect on this and the way that Wales has changed since the vote, we are joined by three voices, all from South Wales. Today we are joined by Sean Thomas Owen, who has recently been presenting a series called Bethy Watts, Genevieve and Brexit on BBC Radio Cymru. Hi Sean, thanks for joining us. All right, how's it going? Very well, thank you. You have recently been presenting a series called Bethy Watts, Genevieve and Brexit on BBC Radio Cymru. Can you tell us a bit about the show and the kind of people you've been talking to? Uh, yeah, it's, um, it was a four-part documentary on Brexit, uh, but without the politics. So it's basically how Brexit is affecting everyday people. And it, it, was in, it took two years to complete because we started it in 2019 when we originally meant to leave. And then every year subsequently, when we were meant to leave, we did some, talk, uh, some interviews uh, and then had to redo a lot of them because so many things changed and there were lots of things that even now, even after leaving and after finishing the series, lots of it still hasn't been um, understood. Uh, but it was it was very interesting to record because um, lots of things, even though I was pretty clued up and read a lot about it and even read, I read the research when, um, when we were recording, it was really interesting because I, lots of the things that we discussed, I wouldn't have considered things like cold storage, obviously things like fisheries and food and drink, but just not the sort of the middlemen that you, you wouldn't have um, you wouldn't have picked out. So um, the cold storage one was very interesting because it linked with COVID and it was almost like COVID was a dry run for when Brexit was going to happen a few months later. And as well, we spoke to people who had voices they wouldn't necessarily viewed during the referendum just because they would have been shouted down sort of more nuanced arguments um, for leaving, uh, things like that. And it was really, really interesting. One of the most interesting ones was um, uh, Richard Wynne Jones was discussing it, that there is no Welsh word for Brexit. And the main reason was that through research, they found that that Welsh speaking Wales just didn't want to own it. Um, and the high percentage uh, were Remainers, so they just didn't even translate the word. They just stuck it to Brexit <laughs> with uh, uh, with a C and an S rather than uh, just sort of trying to say, OK, we'll find a word and then we'll try and find people who want to leave. But it was far more difficult <laughs> than uh, than it proved to be. I was always told it was predial. Yeah. So Predine and gadile. Yeah, yeah. They, they, okay. they did. They trialed it. And just no one took it. <laughs> there's, there's, a, there's a few um, BBC articles at the start, and then just no one, no one wanted to to use that. So there were a couple of um, we tweeted asking for um, examples, and you know a majority, a majority of them were sort of we couldn't uh, couldn't say them on the radio. But um, the uh, yeah, it was a couple of Pradile and um, Pradaddle was pretty good um, because Dadle in Welsh is to argue and also like Skidaddle. So that it was that was a quite a, an interesting one. Correct me if I'm wrong, but the title is a, is a reference to the T.H. Parry Williams poem Hon, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, there was, it was a couple of references to T.H. Parry Williams. Um, with the, yeah, the first one sort of uh, is a reference to Hon before um, the fact that you're born in a, in a country that you don't really choose. Um, and then you you own it, um, and we we ended with Niath of the Ankhragon. We can't escape this sort of as a reference that we've got to get on with it now because this this happened. So it was, yeah, it was uh, that was his idea. The, the producer was um, Hugh Meredith. He was uh, very very good with the script. There was a couple of corkers in there. 
Well, with with Hon in mind, and I'm publishing Credit Mount Trev and people who believe in order. <laughs> Brexit is a is a great annoyance to those who believe in order. Has it made a a fundamental difference to the way that Wales is run and to the people of Wales? Do you think? I definitely think that this made a difference because because how it started, um, which was um, a mess, which then four subsequent groups of uh, sets of government from the same party have tried to. They haven't tried to clear it up. They've tried to clear up the perception of how they're clearing it up. And in the, the devolved countries, they've obviously gone, okay, we'll help um, and we'll see what it means for us. And then um, Westminster's gone, uh, no, you can't do that. And it's, it's even now this, um, I think this past week, Don Gethin was sort of... Um, he was sidelined. You can see, yeah, you can come in, but you can just watch, which is it's like the, the gif of a kid of the window sort of just looking in and where it's raining. But to be honest, in something like this, it's, it's, it's almost better to be wet outside than it is inside our meeting, I think. Um, because, you know, Sturge and Drakeford, um, not so much DOP up, up top, but um, they obviously trying to, to find out what is going on. Not so much how it's happening, just what. Um, because everything changes constantly. And I think that's what it is, is especially after COVID this year, um, where Scotland and Wales have done a far, far better job and they've been sort of organised. And, you know, even with things like getting tripped up by having things held back and sort of the vaccine and stuff like that, we still sort of managed to, to get past there. That's just entrenched um, the, the disagreement I've said for ages, Brexit's you know the best thing for the independence movement that, that we've had, and then COVID came along, which is even an even bigger boost. Uh, Brexit is just is just proven to be an absolute nightmare for for everyone trying to make sense of it, um, because uh, it's, it was never a sensible thing. So everyone talked at the time, and still do, still do to an extent about that feeling of wanting to take back control. When you were talking people, did you encounter anyone who who mentioned that, but also anyone who seemingly wanted that, but realized that by taking back control, they hadn't given powers back to Wales. They just moved it to a different centralizing force slightly closer. People like liked arguing about it. They liked to just, because it was a political bit that almost everybody was involved in. And although people's, you know, politics, not many people get into it. It's the, biggest one where everyone was sort of arguing for a, for a long time and just you can even say debate and like I said it's not like sort of dark philosophers sitting in a cafe going over it it was on phones and it was online and you know people sharing gifts and pictures and all sorts of stuff expecting people to have a, a dialogue about it but as well as that when you say you know take back control and control it it was like control was a was a ball and you go oh yeah you can have your ball back now which was never going to be the case. And especially when you start talking about it, the, the main thing I found is where I was trying to, I was trying to explain it. I had to research myself because I, I wasn't savvy on sort of Brussels. I knew about certain elements of funding because I'd worked for some projects, but I didn't really know about what Brussels fully did. Then trying to explain saying, it's not like sovereign, you know, sovereignty. <laughs> it's not like, oh, here you are. You know, use your, use your, your cape and your flag and your crown. And then you get it back. And then you sit there and go, ah, I feel better. I've had it back. And I think that's, that's, what, that's what the argument felt like. 
and I was trying to argue it. I was saying it's it's, it's never going to be like that. It's all going to be bureaucracy. It's just bureaucracy from a different set of set of rules and set these rules are not going to be governed by something that has an element of fairness to it, like sort of you know, <laughs> ducking out of the human rights and all that. And I think as lots of lots of my friends who I was talking to were there weren't people who discussed politics regularly, but they were still voting. So and it was almost like, oh, there's no point talking to them, some people were saying. But that was the whole point is that that the, that was the, the biggest debate is that people like that, they were saying, oh, you need to find informed people. I said, no, you don't. <laughs> you need to find uninformed people and see why are they choosing to, to vote it. And I think that's the, that's the main element. That's the main mistake I did is thinking that people were as avidly researching and as informed as, as I thought I was, being someone that didn't know a lot about Brussels. And in hindsight, that was the, the big miss is that the debate was about shouting back and forth and not trying to understand um, why people wanted to vote it. I think I was ele- evident within the first few days, though. And now, five years on, uh, I think it's, it's you know, in in hindsight, that's that's the biggest miss, I think. Of all the people you've spoken to, you must have had quite a, a wide range of reasons for people voting to leave. Could you give us some of the, the interesting ones you've encountered? There were two or three which I understood. Um, these are just friends now, which were two, three of the boys who worked in in factories. The debate, the debate they said it wasn't so much. I don't say racism, but they had a lot of foreign workers in those factories, and they just thought it was a threat to their jobs. Because, uh, for instance, one of my friends had been working there for about ten years when he started. There weren't many people from um, Eastern Europe, and there were more now. And he thought the Brexit would stop it. But I tried to explain that and I said, you know, those, they'd still be working there with him. And I said, I don't think it was a threat as such. Uh, but then I, I, I also said, I can't really speak about it. I haven't worked in a factory for, for over 12 years, so I, I couldn't really argue it. I had, I had some, two or three, and it was purely a, I want to win. And they were gauging which side would win rather than what the debate was about. And now that infuriated me because... I would try to say you know, you're voting for a reason, and you've got to, you're voting for the reason, not for the win. Because yeah, but if you lose, then you're on the losing side. And I was like, well, it's the same in anything, but you want to win for the, for the right reasons. Said so yeah, I want to win because I'll be on the winning side. They went top. They, they were reading things and looking into things, but it was purely a like a sporting event. And one of them even got angry because we. We felt that we'd sort of convinced him to to vote Remain, and then Remain lost. And he texted on the day and saying, "I'm on the losing side." You said Remain were going to win, and because it did come as a shock for me. But like I said, it was an echo chamber of just especially with Twitter and Facebook. <laughs> it so annoyed me that I wasn't uh, willing to. Um, let them let them talk for long periods. They'll be sat down. But I think it's because it was all done on phones, and and you'd you'd have to wait for a reply. You'd read the reply, and then you'd furiously type back something. And I think if it was face to face, like I said, I'd see him in the street, and we'd say, "All right, how's it going?" And I'd go in my pocket, then and we'd argue online, like two separate people that it had to be like a persona that you were sort of discussing, and and intellectually discussing things intellectually about Brexit, and then in the street you wouldn't even talk about it. I, don't, I didn't speak to many people face-to-face about it. I think it was on, I'd say, 75% of the debate argument 
um, Celtic match was online. And I think that's, that's one of the, the big failures is that like, you can't understand sarcasm and you can't understand things in texts um, unless you see the face. I think that was the main thing. If you all had Zoom in, I think it would have been a bit, uh, a bit easier to understand. How many people have you encountered that have what they call regret in it? Brexit regret. Did you find many people like that or are they just happy they won? There's two or three that are, like I said, they've been emboldened um, by it. And out of those two or three, <laughs> a lot of them are vaccine deniers, 5G people, sort of they've rolled with the, oh, I, I quite enjoy gobbling up fibs, so I'll just carry on. Maybe that's unfair, but um, it's, um, and, and I think by now, people are absolutely fed up to the back teeth of it. If you mention it, it's sort of batted away as if it's um, totally unimportant. And I, I was saying the other day that, you know, it's, it's five years since since the Brexit vote and then all that slew of guff saying, it's five years and none of it has come true. I said, because it's only been five months or six months. It's, we've actually had it. Um, so you know, asking another three, four years and then see what happens. I think it's still especially about you know, buying certain foods, buying certain drinks. And COVID almost has gone, well, it was supposed to be awful, but then COVID happened, which was worse, and we all got through and all the supermarkets were fine. Even with me now, if I see something now after reading about it, I dismiss it offhand. Any sort of celebratory thing, I don't think any of it is, is to be celebrated. The, uh, you know, the, the deals that are going on sort of, with Australia and with Japan. I saw a nonsense thing where looking, Wales was going to get better funding because you could sell bloody lava bread to Japan as if they were going to just stop eating everything else and just eat lava bread. It's just, they're just small things that are celebrated and you know blown totally out of proportion. I still haven't, we haven't got a clue what's, going to, what's around the corner. And the fact saying, you know, it's been five years and we're all fine. In, in the current climate, is bananas to think that it's anything other than a smoke stream. Do you think that the quality of debate would be better in a, say, a Welsh independence referendum than it was during the Brexit referendum in Wales? No, I don't. Oh, this the debate's already started. You know, I was I was for independence before sort of Brexit, so I've. Although if I if I'm honest, I I, I listen a lot more um, with I, personally I listen a lot more because ten years ago I wanted to I felt like I should be uh, for independence of Wales, but I didn't know anything about how it was possible, so I listened a lot. So I think in since Brexit I've listened to try to listen to more um, arguments, but it seems to be the same thing and the one. The one thing I've had is what's the difference between um, some for independence for Wales um, to a lever in Britain? And uh, I'm still forming my argument in terms of one that will be accepted because they are me <laughs> from five years ago dismissing it, saying hey, it's nonsense, uh, we're safer as we are, etc. But um, I keep saying that in a especially with nationalism, nationalism on a small scale, when the, the person who's in charge is, on, is is a lot bigger, a lot more powerful and historically abusive, isn't the same type of nationalism as 
the, 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 when they love using sort of national socialism and the Nazis, etc., is is a big difference to a big country sort of forcing um, nationalism on other countries. Um, and I'm I'm still trying to phrase it where the they, they keep saying that it's well, it's we would never be able to do it mainly because it's it's so intricate and it's so detailed and a lot of it's unknown. I'm trying to find, same as people used to say, you know, 35 million extra on a bus. Um, that for Wales is the same. Like, oh, we could sell 35 million gallons of water to, to England. It's just that I'd rather have something concrete and something that that we can actually use in a debate, which can be proven pretty soon. But I think... It'll be as passionate, and I think it'll be as entrenched, um, because uh, I was, just, for instance, in the last debate when he was talking about Mark Drakeford, when he said, "Like I've been hit and miss with Mark Drakeford. He does like brilliant things, especially with COVID. You know, lots of things going against what lots of people wanted, and then turns out, you know, best vaccine rollout, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. And and then he says something bloody ridiculous, like, "Are oh, we can have a new United Kingdom with England and Wales?" which just infuriated me because it's so entrenched. And then just hoping that it's, that it's going to work, giving, giving back powers, hoping that they'll come back after Brexit happens and that type of thing. It's just, yeah, I'm already again angry about something. I'm not even arguing with someone. I'm arguing with myself. Do you think that, obviously, Wales, like England, voted to leave? Do you think Brexit has forced this, forced Wales and people who were previously quite comfortable with the political scenario to, to really reassess Wales as a country and to think about our self-perception, about who we are. Do you think Brexit has, has done that, or do you think COVID is, is more important? COVID, COVID has done that. I don't think Brexit does. I think Brexit confused us even more because we didn't know ourselves. Remainers in Wales turned on Blaine Gwent immediately, within hours. Uh, after the Brexit debate, COVID was a lot more, it showed more what we can do as an independent nation to me, because we were in charge of our own rules and regulations. And a lot of people, uh, I think, um, discovered what we are in charge of ourselves. Maybe because, I don't know if it's less people could go out and fetch a paper, that less people read ridiculous national papers from, from England. I also think there is our perception as Wales as a Wales has forever been a, a Labour country. And I think that's the perception is they gotta see it as Wales as a a Labour country, but a an indie curious Labour country. The the big difference with Brexit was that there was no sort of Welsh face to Brexit. Brexit was more of a general election. The independence one would be more of a centre elections. And that's the difference is that people think differently when they think about Wales. And I think a lot more people are thinking about Wales as a bordered country. And I'm not saying this is in this, sort of, you know, <laughs> close the borders job, but when it came down to health and, you know, saving lives, lots of people were saying, I need to manage to stop people coming in and spreading infection. And I think people saw that, are starting to see that a bit more since COVID, that people go in, all right, yeah, we, oh, we can make a decision on this. As, but remember, you know, that a decision by Westminster 
this year has been categorically gone. No, that's the wrong decision. And people have been able to see it because thousands have died because of it. And that, you know, now that he's saying that you want thousands of people to die to prove a point, but it, it almost has been sort of, that's been the case because it's been so black and white. If you do this, things will get better. If you do this, things will get worse. And I think they saw things got dramatically worse because of a decision by another country. And because we said, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to do it this way. And it turned out a lot better. Um, I think that's a, that's a good enough argument, albeit ironically by a unionist <laughs> who doesn't believe in independence. It's just, I still can't get my head around him. I still don't understand what he is. Sean, <laughs> I've got one last question for you. Five years has passed. Give or take a few days since that vote. Do you still think Wales would vote to leave now? If that vote was to happen this week, do you think we would vote to leave? I want to say no. I think I want to say in hindsight they wouldn't vote to leave. But I think Europe is just as much a mystery to people now as it was then. The only difference is that we may think differently to being lied to because lies were proven. I think that's the big difference. But I think more people would read up on things. I want to believe it, but I don't think, I, don't, I think it would just be, it would be as close because some of the people who voted leave then may have convinced even more people that it was a good idea. And because things haven't really changed yet, that they, they could be just as persuasive to say, oh, it's not as bad as you think. But, you know, knowing the COVID has hidden and disguised a lot of it. Oh, it's a, it's a way to end it. In this a nice cheery note. <laughs> I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, no, I, I don't think it would be any different. Sean, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Um, if people want to find you on Twitter and hear more of what you've got to say, where can they find you? Uh, Sean Mann on Twitter, Instagram, and in person in the street. If you want a face-to-face, <laughs> man, we'd love to do it now. And uh, hopefully it'll be a more um, pleasant debate than it would be online. Well, please, everyone who's listening, go and find Beppe Rock's going to be and Brexit on BBC Radio Cymru. It's on BBC Sounds, I'm assuming. BBC Sounds as well, yeah. Wonderful. Go find that. Uh, and if you've enjoyed what you've heard today from us, please don't forget to find Here I on Medium at Here I Blog Cymru, on Facebook at Here I Blog Cymru, and on Twitter at Here I Blog. Thank you for listening to Here I. If you like what you heard, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review.